morning, everybody. Please have a seat. Okay, so today, as John has said, we are in our final Transformed in Your Vocational Health. And I think the subtitle, oh, team, you can sit down. Yeah, okay. <laughs> thank you. Can we thank our worship team for a great job this morning? Yeah, so facing uh, giants in life and work. Um, many of you will know that I'm a teacher and one of my roles in my... Um, I've got a leadership role in my, my school and one of my roles is actually helping kids to go through the process of choosing their subjects each year and the obvious question that comes up in those processes all the time is, what do you want to do when you leave school? And um, for if you're asking a year nine that, you usually get this blank, terrified face back at you. Um, if you're asking a year 11 going into year 12, usually they have some idea. Um, I just want you to think about if, what's your earliest recollection of thinking, when I grow up, I would like to be, you know? Like, I'm not sure if you think back, what were some of those things that were on your list? I want you just to turn to your neighbour and just tell them one thing that when you were little or maybe in primary school, what did you want to be when you grew up? I just heard my husband say, um, my husband just said, I still don't know. So I haven't obviously done a very good job of the subject counselling with him. <laughs> yes, listen, hun, you might get some tips. So, <laughs> so I, I sort of was thinking back, um, I, my earliest recollection was wanting to be a nurse because that's what mum was. So, you know, you kind of want to do the same thing as mum. That shifted to being an air hostess because I wanted the idea of travelling. But I did have a teacher say, I think you can probably aspire a little higher than an air hostess. Sorry if you're an air hostess, that's just what I was told. Um, uh, then I moved on to astronaut, so I did lift the bar considerably, but then I found out that to do that you have to go in those tumbly things that spin you around and stuff, and I get really, really motion sick, so, and probably wasn't going to happen anyway. Um, so that I arrived at teacher, I flipped across to computer programming at one point, and then ended up back in teaching. Um, does anybody remember the days at school where um, you got those cards for computer programming and you used to fill out all the little bubbles and then you sent it off in the mail to Anglevark Computing Centre, which is this amazing brand new innovation in Adelaide. And then they sent it back to you and you got this long printout of something like Happy Birthday. But then you'd make a mistake and it would say something like Hoppy Birthday or Happy with 1P or something. So, yeah, look, that's... So that's where I, I was... Um, computing was at just very early days when I was kind of interested, but I actually wasn't very good at computer programming, so just as well I became a teacher. Today I want to unpack the memory verse from the booklets, if you've been following in the booklets. Um, it's, the, it's the memory verse for number seven, which is transforming your vocational health. And it's Colossians 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for people. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for people. So I want to unpack this in four points today. So the first part is 
whatever you do. Now, in my whole message today, I might talk about work, but I want whenever you hear that, I want you to think of it in its most generic form. Okay, whether you are in paid work, whether that's full-time, casual, part-time, whether you, your work might be that you are now retired and you volunteer. Your work might be that you look after the family. Your work might be that you do charity work. You might work in the community. Your work might be volunteering here in this church. Okay, so please, when I use that word, think of it in that broadest context. Your work might be that you're a student and you're actually studying and that's your work. Okay, so please think of it in its broadest term because that's what it's referring to. It says whatever you do. It doesn't say whatever you do in your paid work. All right, it says in whatever you do. It could be also, I guess, almost in our sport and our other things, but I guess I'm going to talk around that vocational side of things more today. Now, probably one of the little revelations I had in this is that God actually values our work. For some reason, I kind of had this idea that work had ended up being a punishment because Adam sinned and they were cast out of the garden and that they were sent to toil and that they had to work the earth and that work was a punishment. But if you go back to Genesis, so if we could put up Genesis 2, verses 1 and 2. God had been busy creating the world. And um, so in Genesis 1, there are the six days of creation. And then in chapter 2, it starts, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God finished the work. So God worked. He had a creative work, but it was a work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So work is not a punishment thing. Work was actually there from creation. It's something that God saw as being good and he blessed. Further down in Genesis 2 verse 15, he then says, uh, he thinks about people. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. So again, right back at the beginning when the world was beautiful and it was blessed, Adam and Eve had a position of working. They were looking after the garden. So work was blessed. And I'd, I'd never seen that actually in the scripture before. I'd only seen where it goes to chapter 3 and this, they're um, banished from the garden and they're told that work's going to be a toil. And that's probably what we are partly living because of sin, but... We, the first thing we can see is that God is uh, that work is good. Work is actually a gift from God. It's not a toil. And I often hear of um, maybe this is my little thing for the day, but um, people talk about work-life balance as if you have your work here and then you have your life over there. Whereas I'd rather just talk about um, like life balance, really. Like you know, you might talk about. Um, home and work balance or something like that. But to say that it's work and life, surely work is part of our life, all right? That it's part of what we do and it's actually blessed and it's been given to us from God. Uh, the other thing is Jesus worked. He was a carpenter, all right? So the, it, that's actually in uh, Mark 6, verse 3. It's in the context of he's been preaching in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth and the people are going, hang on a minute, 
isn't he a carpenter? And they actually name him as a carpenter, or one scripture says son of the carpenter. So I think it's both. Joseph was a carpenter, and he followed in his father's shoes as a carpenter. Isn't he Mary's son? Aren't his sisters here with him? And I thought, oh, I actually know Jesus has sisters, but there you go, another thing I've learned. And they took offense at him. Now, we won't go into the reason of that story. The point I want to make is that Jesus was a carpenter, and he worked. So my first point today is that work is a gift from God, all right? So um, God has gifted you. He's put us in roles um, that God has given to us, and it's whatever the role is now. Work is not something that's off in the future. It's not a career or a dream that hasn't arrived yet. We all have work now, okay? If you're studying and you've got a vision for something off in the future, that is fantastic, and that might be a future work, but you also have your work now, which is your study, maybe your casual job, all right? It may be that, um, you know, there was a period of time where I was a stay-at-home mum. That was my work. I then returned to my paid work of teaching and continued to be a mum. So we all have sort of um, times where we flow through different versions of what work is in our life, but they are all part of it. And I think it's important to really focus on what we are doing now. Um, and God has work for you to do now. And if that's not really clear, I wonder that might be one of the things you think about from today is what is that work that is for you now? What is your thing now? So first point then is work is a gift from God. Say that with me. Work is a gift from God. Right? The second part of the scripture, so going back to Colossians 3 again, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for people. So I'm going to take that second phrase, which is work at it. And my second point is work at work. Work at work, like work as in put effort into whatever it is that has been given to you as your work. That thing that's in front of you right now is being given to you by God, right? How could you then be developing? And this is one of the points that Rick Warren makes. If you've looked at and if you've watched any of his little um, videos, um, the video on this one, he talks about improving yourself. Like what are you doing to develop yourself in your work? Uh, what are you doing to make the job better? What are you doing to upskill yourself so you do the job better? Uh, is there something that you could learn? Is there something that you could improve? Could you expand your skills in some way? Could you even make suggestions to your boss if that's a context that you're in? So in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10, um, some of these old scriptures are really curious. So this one says... Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. So in all those contexts, it's talking about, like, you could dig a pit, you might fall into it, okay? You could break a wall and fall through it and get bitten by a snake. You could uh, be chopping logs and that's really, really hard work because your axe is not sharp. What it's saying is if you look at ways 
that you are skilled in whatever you do. And we probably are doing a little bit more than digging holes, quarries and splitting logs. We might be splitting logs for the fire. But, you know, in our context, whatever it is, my craft as a teacher, what am I doing to be efficient and effective in that? If I'm not prepared for my lessons, right, if I haven't done my marking for three weeks and the kids are saying, where's our tests? If I hadn't submitted the administrative things I have to do, or I haven't put my grades in so the kids can get their reports... Right? then there's going to be a lot of effort for me and for others who have been let down or the kids are not getting a really effective classroom um, learning environment and they're not learning if I'm not doing my job and I'm not being skilled about what I do. So in whatever we do, we kind of have a responsibility to be skilled. But the other side of that is it brings success. When I am well prepared, my lessons go well and kids kind of actually do learn some maths. <laughs> Like, John is sort of the epitome of that, obviously. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Thanks, Emma. <laughs> yeah, I taught a few of the front row, actually. <laughs> so, skill will bring success. So, that's one of the things we keep in mind. In um, a couple of other versions, the um, contemporary English version says, if you are wise, wise, you'll know what to do. The King James says, wisdom is profitable. And the message says, use your head. The more, the more brains, the less muscle. So, as it said, skill will bring success. So, my second point was work at work. Say that. Work, work at work. work. Okay. So, if your work, your work will feel good, you'll have a much better sense of accomplishment if you're actually making sure that you're skilled. And if you don't feel skilled, what can you do that about that in terms of improving yourself so that the skill will bring success? So, moving on, my third point. Uh, so, back to the scripture again. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So my third point is, round work, what do we do with all our heart? Do we bring our heart into it? So what does that mean, with all your heart? I looked up a good old thesaurus online. So it means things like with passion, with enthusiasm, eagerness, devotion, energy, fervour, interest, conviction, zeal. Now, if you've got a part-time job flipping burgers at, ham at, at McDonald's, it might be hard to say that I do that with devotion, energy, fervour, interest, conviction and zeal. Potentially. That might be a hard place to go. When we're at home, you know, I was a stay-at-home mum for a while, with a little baby that's crying all the time and won't go to sleep and you're really tired and you have to change another nappy, it's a bit hard to say that I'm doing that with eagerness, energy, fervour, conviction and zeal. All right. But that actually is what God asks us to bring in, in whatever capacity we can to the things that he's put in front of us. Right? Whatever you do, remember, it's whatever that work is that's in front of you that he asks us to bring that to. Now, uh, Rick Warren pointed out that the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word entheos, which means literally in God. Theos means God, T-H-E-O-S. So it means we're possessed by God or we're in God. If we're enthusiastic, we're actually operating out of a place that God wants us to be in. So enthusiasmos is the Greek word. Enthusiasmus is the Latin word. I have to put a French one in. Enthusiasmi is the French one. So for us, it's enthusiasm. Okay, it's one of those nice French words. It's the same as the English word. I can remember that one. Um, 
I, there's a couple of sayings that I really liked. I don't know if Rick Warren had brought these up. I actually don't remember where I found these, but uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. Right? Put in there passion, fervor, energy. Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. On the flip side, Norman Vincent Peale said, years wrinkle the screen, uh, the, years wrinkle the skin, my face is a testament to that, um, and my hands, yes, um, but lack of enthusiasm wrinkles the soul. Lack of enthusiasm wrinkles the soul. If we're in a place where we are feeling like we are burdened and down, it's like the scripture that Anna talked about today, that is going to sap our enthusiasm. That is going to tire us out. So the, um, the amplified version of the, put in, um, what was it? Um, with all your heart. The amplified version says, put in your very best effort. Okay. Um, now, my teacher hat went straight to a school analogy of course because who had reports on them uh, that received reports at school that had things like you know b for english and then there's a behavior and an effort tick box right who had reports where it wasn't just the grade right there was also behavior and effort that was acknowledged it might not be so much my era but it's certainly what we do now in um schools and so we used at Cornerstone, we used to have a behaviour and an effort. They were the two categories. But then we kind of went, nah, let's define that a little bit more clearly. And we now have um, some work around what's called learning mindsets in schools. It's the work of Carol Dweck, who's a psychologist in America. And we have these categories that um, investigate kids' attitudes in their learning. And these are the, there are eight areas we have a look at. So the depth and development of their work, initiative and proactivity, feedback, persistence, participation and contribution, organisation, behaviour and time management. Now that's what we're doing in a school context. And out of that we rate the kids in four areas, okay, so they might be a compliant learner, so basically they do what they're told and that's it and sometimes not even what they're told. Uh, a supported learner, who when you remind them will do the things. Active learner, who is a little bit more engaged in that of their own. And then an independent learner, who will do those things off the top of their hat, you know, off their own back. When I was thinking about that, I thought, if we just crossed out learner and put worker, all those things apply to us. All right? If I, I, I thought, well, I could have even brought the rubric along, the table along, and handed it out and said, you do a self-assessment. Like, where do you sit? Right? Your depth and development of your work, the initiative you're showing in that space, feedback, how you respond to feedback in that space, persistence, participation, organisation, behaviour, I hope you're all well-behaved, um, and time management. They, they are life skills, which is why we're looking at them in, school, in schools, because this is not just about school. These are life skills. These are what we call 21st century skills that we want all our students to have because that you need them too, okay? So it would have been interesting to do a little self-assessment. But in all of those things, how are you going in the attitude stakes with respect to your work, right? With all your heart. Are you investing with all your heart into what is in front of you? Um, 
again, Proverbs has got some really neat little scriptures around this. Uh, I didn't give these to Jake. Just listen to these ones. So Proverbs 12, 11. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Or 12, 24. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labour or slavery. Wonder, do you feel a slave to your job? 13.4, oh, I love this word. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. And that one in the, um, the contemporary English version said, no matter how much you want, laziness won't help a bit, but hard work will reward you with more than enough. Remember, that's about our wider definition of work, everything we're doing, from paid work, volunteering, working at home, and the, the combinations of those things. Um, and if, and then if you think, well, that's just Old Testament. In Ephesians 4.28, it says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. So I hope you've all done that. Um, but the second part, be honest and work hard. So you will have something to give to people in need. So there's another aspect of it. We do it. Why are we doing this? Well, it's because in our work, we are generally serving others. I was trying to think, could I think of a job where somebody doesn't really connect or relate or serve other people? Every job serves other people in some place, even if it's somebody who works from home on the computer and doesn't even talk to people on the phone, they are still serving people in some respect. So we are all giving back in some way, whether it's giving a service, whether it's earning an income, so we're then giving into, you know, like church giving, but or even just the fact that we're paying our jobs, paying, sorry, paying our way in life. We're paying for the things that we're responsible with. We're providing for our families. Um, if you're retired, you have done that duty. You have saved up or you're being provided for now in your retirement because you worked in the past. All right. So in retirement, you, are, you have a history of having done this and you're now resting in your retirement deservedly. Okay, and those of you who are retired would also be working in some of those other capacities. Right? You're volunteering. Right? You're looking after your families. You're looking after your partner. You're looking after yourself. So that, that is still part of it. Now, this leads to the obvious question of what if you don't like your job? What if you don't like that work that is in front of you? What if you've lost your passion for it? What if your job is stressful or that work is stressful? So I've just got four quick little points about that. If, you, if, you, if that's you today, you're going, yeah, that's all very well, Jelly. Work with all your heart, but I really don't like my job. Or I'm really just not coping with it at the moment. And I've been in that place as well. My first point is, do you need rest? And that's exactly where Anna went this morning. And I'm just going to bring up that, oops, sorry, that version of the scripture from the message. Are you tired, worn out? Burned out, what well, says on religion, I'm saying burned out on work, because that is God's, that is God, what God gives us. Come to me, get away from, uh, get away with me and you'll recover your life, your work. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Work with me, watch, uh, sorry, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
God promises, promises us if we go to him in rest, he will revive us. He will give us back that enthusiasm. He won't lay anything on us that's too much for us to bear. So that might be the first thing is, have you rested? All right. If we go back to that um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 scripture, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from the work of creating that he had done. God rested. Well, if God needs to rest, that probably means I need to rest. So we shouldn't be working 24-7. Now, it may not be literally the seventh day. We need people to be running the world on Sundays. But you've made the commitment because you're not working today to be here. And that is part of setting aside time to be with God and to rest. Um, that For those of you who have to sometimes work a shift on a Sunday, well, when is your rest day? Are you then working seven days because some, that includes Sundays? Are you working really long hours? Have, when did you last take your holidays? Have you got a whole stack of holidays owing? All right. And sometimes, I don't know if it's an Australian thing or where it is, but sometimes we kind of wear those things with pride. But it's actually not godly. Godly wants us to rest. It's part of, and it, come, it, it was also brought up in Anna's message. No, Emily talked about physical health and looking after ourselves. And rest is one of the things we need to do as well. So, my, so if you are struggling in your work, my first question is, do you need rest? The second one is, do you need to ask for help? Right? If there's something you're struggling around, is it because you actually aren't really quite coping, but you're actually not asking anybody to help you in that? Right? You're hanging on tightly, a bit proud about where you are, thinking, no, I can't ask anybody for help with that. So that's my second challenge is, do you need to ask somebody for help is there some aspect of your job that's actually a bit hard for you, but you don't really want to admit that, all right? Or do you need to delegate, all right? There was early on in my leadership role, I had to learn that I just couldn't do everything. And I also had to accept that if I did delegate and somebody did it differently, that was okay. Right? They, they may not have the same skill. They might not do it quite how I would do it, but I can't do everything. It's a really key thing in leadership. You have to learn to delegate to the team that's around you and show them trust that they can do it and help them if they're not quite doing it the way they should. But you, you're not going to develop their skills if you don't delegate to them and give them that chance. So, uh, so do you need to ask for help? Third one is, do you actually need a change of job? Do you need to change your work? That might be a question that you have to ask. Um, I found... I. I've been in my current leadership role for 14 years. And about the 10-year mark, I was kind of going, turning up to school and going, here we go again. It's like the same merry-go-round. There's kind of a, the role I'm in has this pattern across 12 months from January through to December. And there are certain things that happen every year at the same time, certain events that I prepare, all those sorts of things. And it's kind of like this same pattern. And I was beginning to go, okay, this is, I've been here, done this, getting a little bit, you know, I love the school, I love the kids, I love the stuff that I work at. That is not the problem. It was just I was finding I didn't have challenge for myself. I felt like I'd, I'd developed a lot of things, I'd improved a lot of things, I'd changed a lot of things, and they're all going along really hunky-dory, and here we go again. So I did actually start to look for work. But that doesn't always happen straight away. You can put yourself out there. I had interviews applied for lots of positions. Initially, I wasn't getting interviews, so I had to work on my application skills. Then I started getting interviews, but I wasn't getting the jobs. So then you start working on your, no, did I say it the right way around? 
yeah, so work on the application first to get the interview, then work on your interview skills to get the job, but it also has to be the right fit. So you're hunting around for what's the right place. So you might need to think about, do you need to change your job? Because that's where I got to and I was thinking about, I think I need a change, what do I do in that? But it doesn't always happen, and I'll come back to that point in a minute. The, my fourth, uh, fourth thing here is, do you need a change of attitude? And that's probably the hard one. I wanted a new job, but it didn't just come overnight. I, I, could, I didn't just walk into a new position. Up to that point, every job I'd ever applied for, I'd got. And then I got to this point, and it, just, it didn't happen this time. Applied for the first job, didn't even get an interview. Got interviews, didn't get the jobs. So you start to go, okay, something's shifted here. In the meantime, though, I'm still in my job. Right? So I could have just gone, oh, well, yeah, just whatever, just run through the norm. But I'm very committed to what I do. So I watched my attitude in that space and still and looked to do all of those things. You know, whatever I do, work at it. Right? So I was still continuing to develop things in my job, develop my skills. Um, I actually decided to go back and do some leadership training because I thought, well, that's going to develop me and, you know, that will make, might help get a job too, but it'll help in the school now. So I was consciously doing things to make sure that my attitude stays sweet even though there was this disappointment on the side because I wasn't getting the job change that I wanted. So I applied for quite a few jobs over several years, but I stuck at the same job and watched my attitude in that place. So that was all under, what was my things? Um, with all, work with all your heart. So if that's not the place that you're in, just recapping those things that you could think about is, do, do you just need to arrest? Do you need to ask for help? Do you even need to consider a change of work? Or do you need to change your attitude? So that's like little four little subparts to that one. The last thing I want to unpack today is working for the Lord. So that's the last part of that scripture. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for people. In Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour or your work in the Lord is not in vain. The Amplified says it's never without purpose. And if we take out the negatives there, it means it has purpose. Your work has purpose. It has purpose in God. He gave you that work. So he's called me to be the best teacher I can be, the best leader I can be, to complete my responsibilities, even though I might be looking for a new challenge outside of my current job. What's the new challenge? What's the work I should be doing with what I have now? Okay, so that in whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm sweet. That's really critical because in our work, and this, this is the key thing, we are a witness to God wherever we are. Whatever we're doing now, we might have the dream to be something off in the future and that's when I'm going to serve God, but you're serving God now, in your study, in your part-time work, in your full-time work, at home, with the mums that you meet and share, with your work here at the church, with charity work, with whatever it is, however you engage with people, you are a witness to God. So my attitude, my efforts, all of those things are seen by other people and they know I'm a Christian, so if I'm not sweet in that place... That's reflecting poorly on God as well. So we need to be grateful. We need to be servant-hearted. Um, I don't know, anybody watched the documentary called Central Station, which is about Central Station in Sydney? 
I like little docos. And there's a whole series. They're looking at different aspects of running a railway station. And one of them was about a night shift. And they were, they were talking to the, um, the guy who was the duty manager at the central station on night shift. And he was talking about some of the cleaning up he has to do, like on a Saturday night in the middle of Sydney in Central Station, and how he's got a powder that he takes out and when somebody, you know, has drunk too much and vomited, um, he has a powder, he goes along. But he was talking with such pride about how this is really important that we do this quickly and we get there and we clean up the mess because that's serving other people and we don't want our, plane, our trains to be messy for other people. And that's not something I want to do. Right? No way. I was never good with that with my kids when they... Um, but he ha I was struck with the pride he had in that job, which meant a lot of us would see as being very menial. He was serving other people and he took pride in doing that. And I thought, wow, that is really, really cool. How would you do your work if Jesus worked with you? You know, if he was the colleague sitting in the office with you or he was the volunteer that was working with you in a circumstance, how would you work in those circumstances? And the last thing is we do serve a God of breakthrough. And I was thinking about that in the song Graves to Gardens, about all the ways that God breaks through in our lives. And I can share with you that I do have a new job. I have just, after four years, <laughs> so it's been a journey and there's been some disappointments in that. But I can say that I'm quite proud of the fact that in that I have stayed sweet and continued to develop and work hard in my current job while on the side, without other people knowing, my boss knew and he's journeyed that with me, the disappointments that come of getting job, almost getting job offers. I got a couple of silver medals along the way, you know, where you go, oh, you were so close, you know, congratulations. And you're going, yeah, but I didn't get the job. Um, to finally, I now have a job ne starting next year. So I'm, I'm moving to Port Portside Christian College, which is where Stacey and Nick's kids go. So Carter's going into grade seven. Um, I'm head of secondary down there, so I'll be looking after Carter for them next year. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I hope I don't meet Carter too soon. Um, yeah. And I'm currently crying through all my farewells at school at Cornerstone. I've been there 27 years, so um, that's a long time. And 14 years in my current role. So, but that's that God can provide. God will provide. God honours that. And I think some of that maybe is because of my attitude where I've been in the past, that that is moving on. Um, so I think we need to expect that God is with us in our work, that we, that he, we can uh, take our challenges to God. We can take our gratitude for our successes to God. He can guide us when we have to make decisions in those um, things that we do. He can help us with difficult clients, customers. For me, that might be students or staff, um, whether it's volunteers, whether it's team members, whether it's people you work with, whether it's your children. Um, he's with us when things don't change as well. So my points... Perhaps you could just stand for a minute. And this is something, sorry, I have completely ignored the online people today, but I hope you've been blessed to do. And these would be things that you could also perhaps think about at this point. So today, what might you need to shift in relation to your vocational health? So work is a gift from God, whatever you do. Are you seeing that. Maybe that's the revelation for you today to go away and say, actually, I hadn't thought about that. 
what I do is a gift from God. Take that away and ponder about that. Maybe you think, oh, I need to work at work. Maybe I've let that go a little bit. Maybe I need to, there's something I need to upskill. I've been a bit cash about it. And maybe there's some things I could do to improve myself or to improve the job I'm in. Are you approaching it with all your heart? Maybe there's an attitude shift that has to happen in there. Or it might be one of those points, maybe you just need to rest. Maybe you need to ask for help. Maybe you do need to think about a change of that work. And the last one is, are you working for the Lord? Is your attitude sweet? Okay. Have you remembered that He is there with you and that He can uh, be with you in all the challenges? And are you gratitude? Are you showing God gratitude when things go well and thanking Him for the successes? So today. today.